Yeah, you want to be memorable. Like you don't want to be the person where everyone is on the Zoom call and they're they've interviewed five people and they're like, who is the first person? I can't remember. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, and I am so excited to have you here this week. So big thank you to you for tuning in. This week, we're talking about a big, big kid problem and something I honestly dread like the plague. We're talking about job hunting. Now, this is a huge topic for this year because thanks to the shitstorm that is 2020, we are experiencing some of the biggest joblessness numbers since the 1940s. And yes, I had to Google that. There are some varying reports out there, but according to the Wall Street Journal, about 30 million people have lost their job over the last year, which means we have a lot of people on the job market right now. I know it can be really overwhelming looking for jobs anytime, let alone in a pandemic, which is why I wanted to bring in a pro this week to help us with some hacks. Today, we have Lauren McGoodwin on the podcast. She is the founder of Career Contessa, a digital career resources platform. She's also the host of the Females podcast and author of the book, Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career of Purpose. We're going to talk all about resources and tools to help you on your job hunt, some LinkedIn hacks, how to spruce up your resume, how to stand out in the internet abyss, some tricks to nail your next Zoom interview, and so much more. Even if you're not currently job hunting, there are some great tips and gems in this interview to help you get ahead in your career and make even more money. So I think it's one you guys are all going to really enjoy. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and leave a little five-star review and rating when you get a chance. This month, for every five-star review you guys write, I am donating $5 to Pencils of Promise, one of my all-time favorite organizations, which helps build schools in areas that need it most. So please take a minute or two if you can. I also want to encourage you guys to share this episode on social, tag me, tag Lauren. I am giving away lots of prizes this week. And actually, my desk is currently covered in gift cards that I'm dying to get rid of. So please spread the word. It really does help this little show grow. All right. So with that, we are going to just jump right into this episode, kids. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Quick breather so I can tell you about my favorite must-have accessory of 2020. A chic, super sexy, silk face mask from our friends at Discover Night. That's right. We all know just how important face masks are by now, and we're all going to be wearing them for the foreseeable future. So why not treat yourself and actually get one that is super cute and also comfortable to wear and better for your skin? Look, I know nobody likes wearing a face mask, but I can tell you from personal experience that upgrading to a luxurious, super soft silk mask makes wearing one that much easier. Discover Night is one of my favorite female-run businesses. I'm actually working on getting their founder, Callie, on this podcast. I mean, she's my age and just like such a badass. But these face masks are quickly becoming a huge fashion favorite. I have seen so many bloggers and influencers rocking these because they do. I mean, they look really sleek and stylish. 
They're made from 100% mulberry silk, which is super soft, lightweight, and gentle on the skin. They come with adjustable ear loops and nose clips for a snug, comfortable fit. And they come in super chic colors like blush, gunmetal, black, champagne, and more. And don't just take my word for it. Like if you go to their website, their reviews are insane. I'm telling you, people are obsessed with these masks. So if we have a few more months of wearing one, let me tell you, I highly suggest an upgrade. So for 20% off, just head to discovernight.com and use code BIGKID at checkout. Oh, and when you order a face mask, they also donate five surgical masks to healthcare professionals until they reach their goal of 60,000, which is incredible. So again, get yours today for 20% off with that discount code BIGKID at checkout. All right. Lauren McGoodwin in the house. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. And I'm so excited to have you on for this episode. And before we even get into what we're going to talk about today, I would love to hear a little bit about how you started and how you developed. I mean, you you run Career Contessa. You now have your podcast, the Females Podcast, and you wrote a book all about you know power moves and helping women. You know, really with a resource for building their careers. How did you kind of get into this? Yeah, it's a very windy road. <laughs> so I'll try to make the story short um, and concise. So I graduated in 2009 during a recession, uh, kind of fell flat on my face. There were no job prospects. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was actually one of the lucky ones. I eventually landed a job working as an administrative assistant for a university, but was just like bored out of my mind. And that got me very obsessed with like, <laughs> what am I going to do the rest of my life? Because um, <laughs> clearly happiness, success, fulfillment, all that good stuff is it's not like one plus one equals two. There's no box you get to, you get to check. Um, eventually leveraged uh, having a, a ton of informational interviews. So I actually reached out while I was an admin assistant. I decided I was like, recruiting is the career for me. And I ended up uh, reaching out to over 70 recruiters on LinkedIn for informational interviews. About 30 of them got back to me and I was able to leverage everything I learned over those informational interviews into a recruiter at Hulu role. And and this was back when Hulu was a startup and it was really, really amazing. But that's where everything kind of clicked for me as like, wow, when you love your job and you love the people you work with, like everything literally got better in my life. And, and while I was working at Hulu, I was also working on my master's thesis on, and I was writing about millennial women and career resources. And Career Contessa was the prototype from that master's thesis about and this was like prior to lean in and when, you know, the, we first started getting into whole like, oh, work is different for women. And, and so my thesis was all about the fact that women did need their own career resource. So Career Contessa was a, a side hustle after I graduated, um, still working at Hulu. And then eventually I left Hulu to work on it full time because I went to South by Southwest, which you're familiar with. And I went to one panel and it was about women and entrepreneurs and they they ended the panel by saying like, what, what's your one regret or one thing you wish you had done differently? And they all said they wish they had started sooner. And I literally went back to Hulu on Monday and quit my job. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. So I clearly uh, was really affected by that. But I, I think entrepreneurship for me, it, was, it wasn't like something I'd planned. It was a side, it was a school project and a side hustle. And while I loved my job, I also, because I had been a recruiter, I knew how important it was that there needed to be a resource that helped people, not just with the job search, because of course there's all these mysteries around the job search, but there also needed to be a resource that helps people navigate things once you have that job. Like, you know, weird conversations, asking your boss for a raise. How do you manage up? How do you, you know, um, figure out what you want to do while you're still at work. You know, all those things that happen. Uh, I think a lot of people just focus on the job search, which is important, but there's this whole life that comes after you get the job too. Oh, totally. That was one of the things when I first started working, I was like, how did I learn all this shit in school? And like, nobody covered this stuff. <laughs> yeah, You know. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's I crazy. feel like people have that experience either the first time they use like a fax machine or a copier, which now, now no one has fa fax machines, but just everyone knows like 10 years ago, those were still really popular in offices. Or I feel like it happens when you're using like Outlook for your email and you, you send an email to all the wrong people and you're like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So many things. And I, yes. that's why 
you're such a great resource. And I could literally, when I when I realized I was going to have you on the podcast, I sat with like 12 different topics. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to, what am I going to use you for? Because you you cover so much and it's, it's so helpful. Yeah. Um, but for today's episode, I thought it would be fun. And I mean, especially in this year, 2020, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And that's the only response to that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just like guttural noises. Yes. But this is a year so many people have found themselves unemployed or fur- furloughed or losing their jobs or, you know, maybe taking pay cuts. And uh, it's a time where I think a lot of us, a lot of people may be back on the job market for the first time in a long time. Um, a lot of people yeah. might be applying for jobs for the first time in a long time. And of course, we always have our younger people who are new to this thing. So I figured I would get you on here today and kind of go through the whole process and, and talk a little yeah. bit about, you know, maybe some things have changed. Maybe there's some new tips, some resources. So we're going we're gonna to get you to do all the things. <laughs> I'm so happy to do all the things. I love job search related stuff. So you yeah. do hit because me, it's my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm one of those weird people where I'm like, I like resumes and cover letters. But I think the reason for me, I find almost job searching, I don't want to say easier, but it's a little bit more manageable because it is a little bit more of a process and there are some hacks to it. Whereas like a lot of times people might come to us for scenarios that are happening at work and they're so specific to that person and that boss and you know all the things. So job search, I will say one nice thing is like, you know you're going to need a resume. You know you're going to need a LinkedIn. Like there are some rules, but one of the things I always tell people with job searching is that I think they get really stuck on thinking that like, there are these really, you know, strong lines or, you know, drawn in the sand and you're not allowed to cross them. It's like, no, you can actually get really creative and you're going to need to, especially in this job search market, because there are literally more people applying for the jobs than there are jobs available. Uh, it, it just like already, even we're just starting to talk about it and I'm already overwhelmed. <laughs> like, yeah, because there's so much. And especially, I mean, it, the job search has changed really in the last 10 years because there's so much online and there's so much that I feel like it can be a little overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And I'll tell you, even the recruiters feel like it's overwhelming. I was just talking to someone who has three roles open and she had over 800 people apply for a role in three days. And I mean, she has three of them. So let's just say they all, you know, that's that's a lot of applications per role. And so one of the things I will say about applying for jobs online, while it might have made things easier, it's also made things a lot harder for both sides. The recruiters are feeling overwhelmed at how many applications they're getting. Um, and the people who are applying for jobs are sometimes doing this thing where they're just clicking apply, 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 and mm-hmm. they're playing the numbers game. And we have a phrase in recruiting and it's called spray and pray. It's where you <laughs> spray your resume everywhere and you pray that someone's going to pick it up. We're not going to pick it up. Like I, I'm a really harsh sometimes with my advice with this stuff, but I think it's important for people to understand understand that when you just go through and you hit apply, 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 or you just like aimlessly apply, even if you're not hitting apply, but you actually like go through the application, you you cannot do that and expect good results. It just, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Because like I said, there's more people applying for the jobs than, and there's a lot of really smart, capable, very talented people applying for the jobs than there are jobs available. Yeah. Wait, that's the that's the second variation of spray and pray that I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's <the> HR PT <laughs> version. <laughs> okay, good yeah. to know. I learned something today. Um and I do I want to get into that because that's a big thing is like how do you stand out in the abyss? But before we get there, like where would you if you because I think one of the first things is because you can get overwhelmed. Where should you start? If you want to sit down and you want to start your job search or start the process, like where would you, where would you say to like start your time and get organized? Yes. So before you think about your resume, your cover letter, applying for jobs, any take a step back and spend some time self-reflecting and also really identifying what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are you good at? So when I say self-reflect, I mean um, taking a step back and thinking about, okay, my last job, what did I like? What gave me you know, what gave me the most energy when they gave me the assignment? What were the things I hated working on? Who did I love working with? Whose job just sounded really cool? And I was always interested in like, if I stayed here, that's the job I would want. Like literally take pen and paper and write these things down. Another thing you can consider doing, um, because sometimes it's hard to collect all that information on your own. You can also go on what I call a listening tour where you basically have, um, 
kind of like informational interviews with people you've worked with before and just ask them like, hey, when you thought about me at work, like what were the skills that came to mind? What do you think my expertise is in? What did you trust me with? You know, stuff like that. So I call it a listening tour just because I like to have different names uh, to make it clear for people. And then the other thing I would really recommend is spend some time going through like a strengths assessment and understanding what are your top strengths? What are your weaknesses? And like, for example, when you take like a strengths finder or now it's called Clifton Strengths, when you take an assessment like that, it might tell you your number one is empathy. Okay, well, think about empathy and now apply it to the workplace. Um, Okay, your strength might be empathy empathy, but that means that you're a really good communicator and people really enjoy working with you because you can communicate with all sorts of people at all different types of communication styles. So when you do those tests, just make sure that you're going a step further and understanding how you can talk about those strengths in the workplace. So this is all kind of that self-evaluation. What did I like before? We also have a a worksheet on Career Contessa um, under downloads. We have tons of free stuff, by the way, on Career Contessa. And under downloads, one of the worksheets we have is figure out your next career move. And this is another worksheet where it will literally prompt you like, what do you want to have in your next workplace? Because before you make the resume and do all that stuff, you want to know what do you have right now and what do you want to have? So that worksheet is helpful because it will ask you, how big of a team do you want to work with next time? Um, if you were to have to go to a physical lo- uh, office, like how long do you want your commute to be? Um, what type of department? So these are all good questions to be thinking about because I always think if you know where you want to go, it's a lot easier to get there. And even if you can't pinpoint the exact like job title that you want, what I'm going to, my next piece of advice is always to tell people like, if you're lucky enough that you know the exact job title in the exact industry, cool, you have that. If you don't, like a lot of people where you're good at a lot of different stuff, then instead of focusing on the job title, you're going to focus on the company. So target company versus target job title and things like that. So all of this prep work is really valuable because we don't want to be the person who's just, you know, basically closing our eyes and and applying online. We want to be really thoughtful about it. So start with this self-reflection and understanding what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What gives you energy? What are you really good at that people will pay you to do? So that's another important question is you might be the best gardener in the world, but if someone won't pay you for that, then that's a hobby. That's not a skill set that you actually can go out and get a job with. So start with that. Yeah. Oh, I I love... There's so much there that I love. And I'm going to... For anybody listening, if you're like trying to remember all of these things, I'm going to put together a list for you guys. At the end of this, we're going to include those shareables or those downloadables um, from Career Contessa in show notes. So don't worry. We'll have that all for you. Yeah. Don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. (laughs) But I love that as a first first step and just being really, really honest with yourself. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. If you don't, if you don't really like be honest with what you're good at, what you're not good at, you're doomed to kind of repeat the same things. You're you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes or end up in the same, maybe like a different job, but kind of in the same environment that you didn't like in the first place. So I I love that as a first step. And I I would tell people too that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I need a job tomorrow. Like I don't have time for all this woo-woo, like self-discovery, whatever. Okay. I understand. That's also why I took my job as an administrative assistant because rent doesn't pay itself. Take the job that is in demand right now that you can get. There are companies that are in demand right now in terms of their hiring. There's no shame and there's no like rule that says if you take a job that you have to have today, you can't end up in a job that you love later on. That's a good fit for the things that you want. So I just want to also emphasize like if you need a job today, hold off on this, you know, the self-reflective work and instead apply where there's uh, job demand right now. And then on the side, carve out t- extra time to be doing this so you can think about what is it that I want to do next and apply for those roles. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. I actually did that in my mid-20s. I took a job just because I ran out of time on my job search. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I need to start making money now. I took a job. I ended up staying there for four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens, you know. I, and and, and I, there's look, there is no rule that says if you do that, you're going to lessen your chances of looking attractive to recruiters later on. You know, there's a lot of companies too who um and I've even interviewed hiring managers where they'll say, "Look, 
I like the person who took the job that they had, who did the thing that they had to do to make life work or has worked, you know, maybe a job that's totally different than what they're applying for now, because that shows that they've got hustle and grit and they, they can figure it out. So just remember, none of that is is bad. There's no rule that says you can't end up in a job you love at some point. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm a big believer of you know your job doesn't always like make you who you are. Like I, I think in that period of time, oh yeah, when I took a job that because I had to make money and I was I was kind of getting down on myself. I was like, I don't want to tell anybody I'm doing this job. Yeah, I had, like it was kind of wrapped up in my identity, and it's it's not. Oh yeah, that that's a whole other episode. <laughs> Seriously. Um, okay, there was another thing you said in there when you you talked about going by company, which I thought was which is another big thing. Let's say maybe you have a couple companies in mind that like are your dream. Like, how do you expand that list? Like, how do you find other other companies that would potentially be interesting to you? Yeah. So the way I look at this is like a step one, self-reflection, who are you, what you want to do, et cetera. Um, step two is... And I call those your career ideals, right? So those are your career ideals. Step two is make a list of all of your dream companies. Uh, it doesn't matter why they made the list. It could be because your best friend works at them. It could be because you love their Instagram. Like I seriously do not care what the reason is, but put them on the list. Then you're going to do... So that's step two. Step three is to basically take that list of target companies and compare it to your career ideals. So you're going to do deep, deep, deep research on the companies. Like you know, who is their founder? What are their products and services? Where are they located? Um, anything you can find about them. You can, a lot of companies have uh, career websites that are like pretty extensive and they'll talk about what it's like to work there. They might have a company blog. Um, LinkedIn is another awesome place to learn more about companies. Glassdoor is a good place to learn about companies. There's another one for women. It's called In Her Site and site is S-I-G-H-T. So Go and basically learn as much as you can about the company and compare those target companies to your career ideals. Any companies that basically just don't match up with what you're looking for next, they don't stay on the list, right? Another thing that um, is awesome to do in this stage if you have the time is start having informational interviews with people who work at those companies because you're often going to learn a lot more about what it's like to work there and how people got their jobs there, et cetera, uh, through informational interviews than you will you know, on a open forum online, but sometimes those are harder to do. But if you, if you have the energy to do that, it's awesome. Um, because Ooh, before we move on mm-hmm. from that, because I, I want to ask, cause that's like an easier thing said than done. Like, how do you even yeah. ask for an informational interview? Yeah, there's, it's definitely an art. Um, again, lots of resources on Career Contessa. And I think the other thing that's happening right now is everyone's hearing this advice about networking and informational interviews. And so, it's so interesting how the internet works. It's like, there's one little bit of piece of information and people just like go crazy with it. But there was like 90% of the information that was left behind that didn't go with that, uh, you know, advice, which is if you're going to network and you're going to have informational interviews, the first thing you want to do is research who do you want to have the informational interview with. LinkedIn is an awesome place. So for my example, when I worked at the university and I was trying to figure out what it was like to be a recruiter, I would find other recruiters who worked in the LA area and at the time, I didn't know what type of recruiter I wanted to be. So I identified um, over 70 recruiters on LinkedIn. Most of them were women because I was just thought, oh, they're more likely to talk to me, I think. <laughs> um, and they worked in a variety of fields. And what I would do is I would add them as a connection and I would include a note like, hi, I'm Lauren. I wanted to add you as a connection on LinkedIn because I'm really interested in the work that you do. Once they accepted me as a connection on LinkedIn, under contact information, you can get the email address of the person. And I would send them a personalized email that was well organized and it was personalized. And I would basically give them an, and again, we have templates for this on Career Contessa. We would, I would give them um, a little information about who I was, why I was reaching out. And then I would ask them for 20 minutes of their time via phone for an informational interview. So the important part of this is that you want to connect the dots of why you're reaching out because uh, they're more likely to want to help you if they understand why. Don't ask for too much of their time. So 20 minutes seems way doable versus 30 minutes, 45 minutes phone call. Very doable. Everyone has Zoom fatigue right now. Um, and the other thing is that when you tell them, you know, I would look, would you be open to the opportunity of having an informational interview? Uh, for 20 minutes via phone call. It's also a really good idea to give them your availability, but make sure your your window of availability is big. So like I'm available Monday through Friday after 12 p.m. or whatever it is, you know? So it's it's not like 
you know, here are the 18 different times that I'm open. Don't send them a calendar. I know everyone's like, oh, well, I could just send them my calendar and they can book. Don't. Some people hate that and they they just don't like the vibe of someone sending that to them in an initial email. You know, hopefully the person gets back to you. If they don't, you get to send one follow-up email and then you have to let it go. The good news is that there are a lot of people on LinkedIn and connections that you can be asking for informational interviews. So that's how you ask for it. Then in order to prepare for it so that it goes well, so you can really be really impressive because this is a true story. The person who took my job at Hulu when I left was someone I had an informational interview with about eight months earlier. So it doesn't always happen immediately, but if you're really impressive in these informational interviews, you can get hired. In order for that to go well, I would I just like have coupled key points. One, do your research ahead of time so that you're not asking questions of the person that you can already find the answer to online. That's a waste of their time and yours. And also know your learning goals. So prepare a few questions in advance, probably five or six, since you're only going to take 20 minutes. Um, You should run the conversation and then be really clear and concise with, you know, that learning goal that you're trying to walk away with and always send them a follow-up thank you email at the end to stay in touch. Yeah, I think that follow-up piece is so crucial. So in in these um, informational interviews, it's kind of like the main goal to kind of figure out like, well, I'm sure there's probably different ones, but one of them, if you're in a job hunt, to be like, who am I? Who would be the best person to talk to about like working for the company? Like, would you be that forthcoming? Yeah. So it depends on like when in your stage of this process, you're having the informational interview. If you're having the informational interview to learn more about the company, then your learning goal is to understand truly, what is it like to work there? Do you enjoy working there? How did you get your job there? What's leadership like? Um, You know, if you weren't working there, where else would you want to work to get an idea of like, what's maybe a similar company? Because a lot of times, and LinkedIn will do this too, by the way, if you like look at a company, it will say, here are similar companies to that. So sometimes companies you might not have even thought of, but are similar, can pop up. Um, So your learning goal in that scenario is to create a relationship with the person Mm -hmm. and it's to understand more about what the company is like so that you can tailor your resume, cover letter, et cetera, to kind of their uh, culture, value, you know, values, et cetera. If you were to have an informational interview later on, um, the trick is that you don't really want to use an informational interview to ask for a job because the whole preface of like why you're asking to have the conversation is you're saying, I'm basically here to collect information. So if you trick them, quote unquote, trick them into having this informational interview and then on the call, you're like, so would it be okay if I send my resume to you and you could send it off to somebody else? Like it's it's just not, it's like, if you're going to do that, then you should have been forthright about that. So I always tell people, I'm like, look, you're dealing with people. Everybody has an opinion. Some people might be fine with that and other people might be totally turned off with that. And now you've burnt the relationship, right? Like the idea with relationship building is to build up goodwill and, and, and really create enough of a relationship. So at some point you can ask them for something. I recognize that people might be thinking, well, I'd like to ask them on step one. They don't know you well enough to probably do that. So what I would say is like, instead of burning that bridge, let's use this as an opportunity to learn what it's like to work there, how they got their job at the company. Um, You can also learn a lot about companies like in the way people describe it, that you could use those exact words in your cover letter or in your resume to really stand out a bit more. They might tell you too, like, oh, I got my job through a referral or I, you know, the way I did it is I just like found a recruiter's email address and applied right away. So you might actually get enough information out of that informational interview that you don't have to ask that. Um, But at the very least, it can be the beginning of building a relationship with them that may get you to a place where you can ask them for to send your resume. And they might, even if you're super impressive on the informational interview, they might say, you know what, we're hiring for this role. Your, Your experience sounds really perfect. Why don't you send me your resume? So you never know. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't start with that. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So we went down that kind of rabbit hole of informational interviews. I want to get back to the job search at hand. So you're making, you're making a list of companies. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we were on like step three, right? You're, you're comparing your career ideals to your target companies to see who stays on the list. Hopefully you're also having a couple of informational interviews with people who work at the companies that you're like, this is the company for me. The next step is to really polish your material. So this is where we start to think about our resume, our LinkedIn, and our cover letter. 
It's also not a bad idea for people today to think about having their own portfolio website, right? Um, This is a time where I feel like showing and not just telling is really, really important. And it definitely will make you stand out from the crowd. And for me, I like one-page resumes, max two pages. The reason why I really like one-page resumes is as someone who's had to go through a lot of resumes through an online system... It's confusing to go through more than one page for a person. It's just the the applicant tracking systems make that more challenging for us. So what I like to, the rules I like to follow are your resume is a snapshot of the most relevant experience or information that you've done as it relates to the company and the job. Your LinkedIn profile can show off your entire work history. So for the person who's like, but I've worked for 15 years, I can't put it all on one page. You're not supposed to. Um, And usually what I will do is I'll put for my header, instead of just the word experience, I'll say relevant experience. And I might include a note at the very bottom, like additional work experience can be found on my LinkedIn. You should always be including a link to your LinkedIn on your resume too, because you have to think of them as like compliments to each other. Once the snapshot, once the full history, you want it to be easy for the recruiter to bounce from your resume to your LinkedIn and and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, um, cause I know you've looked at so many resumes. Do you pay attention to like the aesthetics of the resume? Like- oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the way I like to describe this is like, if I were to go to your website and it was really ugly and really hard to read I would not spend very much time on that website, right? And not only would I not spend very much time on it, I might start to associate the quality or the lack of quality of your website with the lack of quality of the product, service, or person, right? And so when people kind of half-ass the design or the format, the aesthetics of their resume, not only is it hard for me to read and I'm not in the business of spending a lot of time trying to figure out you know, hunt and peck on your resume. But also it's like, did this person even care? Do they, <laughs> do they want this job? You know? And so you have to think about what you're communicating. So I think that having an aesthetically pleasing and easy to read resume is incredibly important, but it's not just about like fonts, right? It's also about the, um, the layout of the information. So like, I love a two column resume, depending on the industry that you apply for or that you work in that's a little too modern for them, right? But what I like about a two-column resume is I'll put my experience on one side. And then in the other column, I'll have like uh, my contact information, education, skills, you know, maybe certifications, or if you've had freelance clients, that kind of stuff. And what it does is that you're you're basically organizing the information so I can find what I'm looking for, what's important to me as a recruiter quickly. So it's like I said, the design of it and the aesthetics to answer your question. Yes, it's very important because you want to make it easy and simple to read and define what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, it, I, this is like one tip that I I have and, and maybe you have some other ones, but I found... Because I'm not the best like designer, you know? So what I found was like a little life hack was going on Etsy and buying like a, a template. Like you can literally search resume template and they have like beautifully designed resumes that you can just literally plug in your information. Yeah. uh, Etsy has that. Canva has free resume tools. You don't have to be a designer. We have templates on as part of our our course, the 24-hour resume makeover. The other thing is even Microsoft Word now has like a way more template options than you used to. So it's not hard. And so that's what I mean about like, you know, when people give you this like really plain, basic Times New Roman (laughs) resume, you're like, okay... I bet this is the resume you've had for a really long time. Yeah. Okay, uh, boomer. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not even about that. It's just sort of like, you know, I I want to feel like you want the job. And and that's the other resume tip is like, your resume has to be tailored to every job you're applying to. It, I know that sounds like a lot of work, but no one said this was not supposed to be a lot of work. This is a job. Looking for a job is a job. And you need to be... And the way you're going to tailor that resume, and this is sort of a hack, is every job description, they spend a lot of time writing those job descriptions. And they tell you all the information that they want the person to have in that job description. So use that job description to help you tailor your resume. One of my favorite 
little hacks I tell people is, okay, let's say you're applying to be a recruiting coordinator at a tech company. Go find a recruiting coordinator job description um, at five other tech companies. So you want same job title as you if you can, and at least similar industry. And you want to print out these five job descriptions at these five different companies. Then take a highlighter, highlight what are the common terms or phrases or skills that are being asked in every single job description. Those are your keywords. Now, take those keywords and make sure they're in your resume. They want someone who has a certain skill set or if they all phrase communication in a certain way, like, or if they all use the word candidate experience, candidate experience is the key phrase there, you know? So, so that's a way to make sure that you're tailoring your resume by using the job description to help you. Yeah, I think that's a really, really great idea. And it might sound really time-consuming, but this is the stuff that sets you apart because it is. It's a, there's a lot of candidates out there and it's these little, little things that you do that can really make a difference. I don't know about you guys, but the big kid in me loves a big bowl of cereal. Like it is just so nostalgic. Growing up, I would just crush a giant bowl pretty much any time of day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But as I got older, I had to give up my cereal obsession because I realized it was just full of sugar and junk that you just really shouldn't eat. So that's why I was so ecstatic to learn about Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is a healthier, more quote-unquote adult-friendly alternative to your favorite cereals with the same great taste. Each Magic Spoon cereal has zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They are keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free, and they all come in your favorite childhood flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I don't know about you guys, but I was a fruity cereal kind of girl growing up, and Magic Spoon brings me right back to the glory days. I really don't know how they get it to taste so much like regular cereal. It's kind of a mystery. Uh, And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund your money, no questions asked. So if you're jonesing for a bowl of cereal and want to keep it healthy, just head to magicspoon.com slash BKP to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code BKP at checkout. You're going to get free shipping. And you know, when you support a sponsor of this show, it really helps make these episodes possible. So again, that is magicspoon.com slash BKP and use that code BKP for free shipping. One thing I, I've found too is because um, I know we were talking about like when you were looking at different roles, like I'm just going to use myself as an example because like I, you know, now work in social media. So there's like a lot of different things that I might, a lot of different types of jobs that I might apply for, like social media specialist or social media manager or content creator or copywriter. Like I would have like five different resumes for like those di- like different yeah. titles. Yeah. 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 So that could be like a way too, if you're kind of, if you're, if you're, if you are uh, uh, on a little bit of a time crunch and you want to start like pumping up these resumes to uh, different companies, like maybe having some more generalized, but like for the job titles that you're looking for, would you? Oh, I, I love that. It's a great hack. And and another thing you could do is have those five variations and have, I always call it like your master resume. Have a master resume. It could be five pages long. I don't really care how long, but it has everything. And then you can pick and choose. You can have the variations of resumes ready to go, but you have your master. So you can always whip up something if all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Business development is what I want to do, which is I don't have that already pre-made, but I have this master and now I'm going to create you know, move things around and keep the things that are relevant for that. Yeah. Love that. We mentioned LinkedIn too, because obviously, you know, you have your resume, which will have so many things, but obviously LinkedIn is a huge tool too. Um, And I've heard, I I honestly, I definitely do not max out my LinkedIn. Like if anybody wants to look it up, it's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually pretty embarrassing. I should work on it. Maybe I will after this after this <laughs> yeah. combo. But give us We've some shame good, to it. Yeah. Give me some good like LinkedIn tips, tricks, what to maybe yeah. not do. So give us some goods. Yeah. So LinkedIn um, is an amazing tool. If you're not optimizing your LinkedIn profile, you are 
literally missing out on jobs landing in your inbox. Because when I was a recruiter, I was on LinkedIn all day, every day. A lot of companies have a dedicated... The role is called a sourcer. And literally all they're doing is sourcing candidates or talent for... And a lot of times they're using LinkedIn. LinkedIn has these tools for recruiters that are not cheap, that are amazing. And so... um, the way that recruiters search for talent on LinkedIn is they use keywords and to put into their search. And then LinkedIn says, here's all the profiles that match what you're looking for. So if you're not optimizing your profile, you just literally can't get picked up. The other thing, like I said, is that if they look at your resume, they're probably going to look at your LinkedIn also. So you don't want to not have a LinkedIn and definitely needs to be optimized. So the LinkedIn algorithm goes through certain parts of your profile when it's searching to see if it's optimized. The big one is, do you have a photo? One, it's just like, are you active on LinkedIn? Do you have a profile, right? Of course. So that's a basic. Then, you know, professional photos, really, really important. Whereas like on a resume, if you put a photo on there, no, please don't. Like, unless, really? unless they, yeah, unless they tell you specifically, like, include your photo, most industries, like, that's very, maybe outside of like entertainment or something where I've seen that be a little bit more normal. But like, most places I feel like they look at a photo on a resume as being really kind of like dated or just like, unnecessary. like, you're basically taking up really precious real estate for something that they can see on your LinkedIn. Whereas, like, LinkedIn, if you don't have a photo, it's not optimized. So, it looks at your photo, professional photo, please. Um, it looks at your headline. Um, it looks at your summary. It looks at your experience and it looks at your skills. I might be missing a couple of sections in there, but basically th- those are the main sections. And one of the areas that people always leave blank is that summary section because it asks them to talk about themselves. And they're always like, ew, I don't know what to say, or I don't want to pigeonhole myself. But that is like 1200 characters of keyword gold that you're just leaving for nothing. Um, And also, especially if you're making like a career pivot or if you are um, trying to show off your personality or you're trying to explain a gap in your resume, the summary is like a really natural place where you can explain that kind of stuff. So those are the tips for LinkedIn is like, have it filled out, optimize it again, using those keywords. So keywords are really important on your LinkedIn resume as well. Um, And then I would also say, try to get in the habit of logging into LinkedIn like once a week and adding new connections. So people who you've worked with before, maybe people who work in like similar industries as you that maybe you guys haven't met in person, but like you kind of know each other, like expanding your, your network on LinkedIn is also really good as well. Um, because of the way they work with second and third connections and things like that. Yeah. Um, when you talk about optimization and like keywords and stuff like that, I think I remember like hearing once that you can use terms like seeking or something like that, like something that shows that you are actively searching for a job. Well, so that I think is that was probably advice they had before. They now have this tool on LinkedIn where you can literally, it, it, these job search tools on LinkedIn as a as a user where they'll say, oh, are you searching for a new job? Let recruiters know you're searching. So make sure you have all of those alerts and like buttons to the right place because um, it will show your pro... Okay, a couple of things. It will show your profile more if you respond to messages from recruiters. So make sure you're responding even if your response is thanks, but no thanks. If you have the button turned on to show recruiters my profile, I'm act- you know, I am actively looking there. So LinkedIn wants to be successful for the recruiters. So they don't want to be showing the recruiters a bunch of profiles of people who never respond to them. Mm. So make sure you're using those tools as well. And like I said, the buttons are toggled to on for, you know, the specific questions like, yeah, let recruiters know I'm available, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's a really good um, tip about responding because I feel like I I have a huge graveyard of (laughs) like (laughs) messages in my LinkedIn that I've never responded to. Um, I might want to... Yeah, you're probably not showing up in LinkedIn search results. (laughs) May want to look into that. Okay, that's really good to know. Okay, so we've talked about some of these like sprucing up situations for our resume, LinkedIn. Back to the job search thing because... And not to like harp on it too much, but this is, I think, the hardest part. And, you know, finding, finding viable jobs. Like, do you... Like, I know I've used like Indeed in the past and it can feel like such an abyss. Are there other other resources that you love? Like, what are some other like ways that you can kind of find available jobs? Yeah. So 
my tip about finding your target companies, one of the things I like about that, and I'll just do this in like two parts. So part one is like using those target companies and then setting up Google alerts. So anytime those target companies post a job, you know about it. Um, Or if they... How do you do that? Um, if you Google Google alert, they'll show you like step-by-step It's really easy. Um, and what's really nice about it is then you don't have to check every day. They'll just let you know. I'm sure we also have an article on career contest about this, but, um, the other thing about those target companies is that the reason why I like that is because sometimes what happens in people's, uh, job searches is that they're literally applying everywhere and they can't remember where they applied, who they followed up with. So Depending on your strategy with this, if again, if you have um, a longer runway, maybe you just focus on you know those ten target companies, paying attention to jobs that are there and applying for them when they're open. And in the meantime, you're fi- you're working on filling any skills gaps you have, you know, continuous education and having building and networking like informational interviews with people who work at those ten companies. You want to be building as many connections uh, at those companies as you possibly can. That's one strategy. That's like you have a really long runway. You've got time. Then we've got this like middle of the road where it's like, okay, I don't have like the longest runway, but I don't have the shortest runway. So I, I'm going to put some alerts for those dream companies. But what about... Um, I also need to like be applying to jobs. Okay. You should definitely have an Excel sheet or some sort of tracker so you can track who, where you applied, how, when, did you follow up, et cetera. Um, some of the places I like to look, I mean, Indeed and LinkedIn are, of course, uh, huge job boards. Glassdoor is a huge job board. Um, some other places that I think are great that are a little less big, uh, The Muse. So they have a great jobs board. Career Contessa, we have a jobs board. Fairy God Boss. These are for like more women specific. Um, In her site, again, all job boards. So those are options. If you really love... uh, startups, there's something called built in and a lot of cities have their own, uh, like branch of it. So like built in LA, built in New York city, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's called like angels list or something like that. It's for startups that are hiring as well. And then of course your network. So another really good thing to do is to actually send an email to your entire network we have a template for this on Career Contessa, <laughs> uh, where you let your network know I'm job searching and give them enough information about like, here are the roles that I'm looking at or here are my skills and my strengths um, because you never know who knows someone who knows someone. So that's another alternative. Um, when you're applying for jobs online, like you're, again, you fall into that middle of the road. Let's say you find a job that you want to apply to. Um, great, apply for it online, but then see if you can find a real person to send your resume to directly. So whether that's a recruiter at the company and um, we actually just had a, a, Hulu, a current Hulu recruiter on our uh, podcast, The Females. And she was saying, if you're going to do that, please do your research to see if you are sending it to the right recruiter. So like she does ad sales and like she'll get all these emails about people who want to work in marketing. She doesn't work in marketing. So sometimes she'll forward them on, sometimes she won't. Um, and so if you're going to research a person to send it to, try your best to like send it to the right person as much as you can. Um, But that's really, really important, uh, especially right now, because a lot of people are applying for jobs online and then they're just calling it a day. Um, And sending your job to a real person is so much better than just applying online and and waiting for things to happen. Totally. Do you... So finding... Obviously, you can use LinkedIn to find the person or recruiter that you want to um, send a direct message to. How do you... I think you mentioned this earlier that you could, a lot of people have their emails on their pages, but what if you can't find their email? Are there any other ways, any other tricks? Yeah. So another trick is to see if you can figure out how their company sets up their email addresses. And if you can't figure that out, here are three options to try. First name, period, last name at company.com. First initial, last name at company.com. Just first name at company.com. So you can try all these variations uh, and and see if you... And what I would do is I would put them all on the same email. Uh, and it, one time this happened to me too, where I sent it and I got uh, an automatic reply back, like a vacation responder. And I was like, now I have their email address, yeah. you know? So... so um, so you can always try those variations uh, and see if you can get it to that person who works at you know XYZ company. The best way though is to Google how does you know Zoom technology or Zoom uh, set up their employee email addresses or something like that. 
Yeah. Another another trick is um to go to the company website. Cause like I'll use my fiance's company um as an example. Like it's one hope, it's one hope is the mm-hmm. wine company, but their URL is actually onehopewine.com. And like so their yeah, emails exactly. are onehopewine.com. So if you go to their website, you can kind of see how the at you know, yep. something something.com is gonna look, and then it's just guessing the name variation. When you because you mentioned you send an email to I'm getting specific. Sorry. You, <laughs> I know, I love it. I know. Um, when you send an email to like three different variations, do you BCC like two of them or do you just put them all in the um email header? I usually do one and then I CC the others just so if it gets to them, they're not unaware of the fact that like, look, I I don't, you're right. I don't know you and I'm getting creative. (laughs) Um, That's my way of doing it. And usually when I send that email to the real person, I'll let them know like, hi, my name is Lauren McGoodwin. I recently applied to XYZ role online. I'm really, you know... um, excited about the role. So I wanted to also send my resume and cover letter uh, directly to you. Maybe a couple more, you know, or maybe a sentence or two about like why I'm a fit for the role. And then my email signature always includes uh, my name, my phone number, my email, and a link to my LinkedIn. Smart. Very and don't smart. forget the attachments, obviously. Oh my God, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because you're like, oh God, now I'm definitely not going to get a call back. And, you know, make sure you spell their name right. Make sure you've changed. Like I've gotten this before where, you know, the company and the cover letter is still the other company. And these are all like the the simple mistakes, but you guys would be shocked at how many people do them just because they're moving fast. You know, mm-hmm. they, they want to hit apply and get it over with. So move a little slower. Yeah, take like take like three deep breaths before you send that send. And like check all the boxes, like check your, you know, your... Same with your resume and your cover letter. I have literally seen recruiters just slide a resume off their desk into the trash because it has grammar errors. It has spelling errors, right? Because you have to remember recruiters are usually taking those resumes to a hiring manager. So if I send or if I walk over to a hiring manager and give them this resume and the first thing she does is she looks at it and goes, there's spelling errors on this. Like, it makes me look bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Worst case scenario. (laughs) Make sure you triple triple check those resumes. Um, Okay, so we've talked a lot about job searching and I know we're running out of time, but I did really want to cover this piece before I let you go. So obviously, you know, you do all your due diligence. Maybe Maybe you get an interview. You know, let's say, and in times of uh, 2020, um, a lot of people are not doing these in-person interviews. A lot of people are doing Zoom calls, what have you. Like, are there any tips that you would give us to maybe, you know, nail that initial first Zoom meeting? Yeah. So quiet space uh, that has reliable internet. Get on the technology uh, 10 minute, at least 10 minutes before, more if you can. But I know with Zoom, sometimes it's like you get on, they're like, oh, they haven't started the meeting yet. But just know that your technology is working. So um, I would say be prepared ahead of time. Don't wear anything that has like a busy pattern. The way it picks up on the computer is is really fuzzy. Um, have a clean, organized background behind you. I don't care if it's your bedroom. I just don't want to see a pile of dirty clothes on the back. And then lighting is really, really important. So ideally you want to have a window in front of you. Um, You can also buy these like uh, little ring lights that are super cheap off of Amazon that you can literally snap onto the top of your computer. So those are all good options. Using headphones is really important so that they can hear you properly. Oh, the other thing, this is a big one. If you have your resume in front of you or something, show it to them. Be like, look, I have my resume. I printed out my resume. I have it in front of me just you know, in case I needed to reference it. So that if they see your eyes wandering, they know what's wandering mm. uh, because they can. They can see your eyes. And it's better to just let them know ahead of time, this is what I'm doing than to you know be looking all over the place and then wondering what's happening. It almost shows that you don't care. And then lastly, turn off your notifications. And um, so that you're not getting all these, you know, beeps and zings and all this stuff while you're doing it, because that's going to be distracting for you as well as the interviewer. Totally. Totally. I hate that. Even when I'm, we're doing like podcast recordings, like I sometimes forget to turn my notifications off and I'm like, no, I know. And it always, the zing will always happen when you have like something really important to say, uh, or you're only. like in the middle. Of, yeah. Only <laughs> That's when how it's important. the universe works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love, I love those tips. And then I think of one last thing maybe to leave off on is just like, let's talk about like following up because this is actually, it's like one of the easiest things. And one of the ones that I think people forget to do the most. Like I'm guilty of this. Like I, I know I forget to follow up all the time. 
So maybe like, what, what would you say is like your ideal follow-up scenario? Yeah. And it's my biggest pet peeve. I just want to say, I repeat this all the time. Always send a thank you email and you'd be shocked at how many people don't do it. And it just, it's like, I had a hiring manager, by the way, who would not consider anybody for a second interview unless we got a follow, a, a thank you email. So just remember, hiring managers get to say and do whatever they want. Like they get to make up the rules. Okay. So just always send this. So to send a post, uh, post interview, thank you. These are the like kind of the best practices I follow is send an email within 24 hours. If you only interviewed with one person, send it to that one person. If you interviewed with five people, but you only have the email address of one person, ask that person for the other people's email address. The point is you're trying to send in a thank you note to every single person that you interviewed with. I like to include in my thank you note some sort of little anecdote of something that was said during our interview. So, you know, I might say, you know, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to meet with me. I really enjoyed learning about XYZ role. I found it particularly interesting that, you know, you and I had a similar background and you pivoted into this. Um, I've, I very much look, you know, I'm still really interested in the role and would love to continue the conversations. Something like that, where it reminds them, who are you? That's Hmm. actually another good tip. Someone told me recently about interviewing. And actually this is back when we were talking about in-person interviews is that she said that she wears a certain color for every job interview. And I thought this was great. Like her color is yellow. And she's like, I always wear yellow, like a pretty bright yellow whenever I'm interviewing so that I'm memorable. And she said she also does the same thing when she's networking. So it's just food for thought for people is like- That's smart. uh, You want- yeah, you want to be memorable. Like you don't want to be the person where everyone is on the Zoom call and they're they've interviewed five people and they're like, "Who is the first person? I can't remember." And they're like, "I don't know either." Like you don't want to be that person. You want to be the one where they're like, "Sarah in yellow from New York. She worked in social media. Like she did this, she did that." Like you want them to be involved in your storyline. Yes, I I love that. And I think that's also a really cool piece of information to in- individually email everyone. Because I think I've made yeah. that mistake before. Maybe I put like people on like the same email, you know, like all at once. And maybe maybe it, it probably does look better to do individual um, emails. Also, some of them will write you back and some won't. And so like if you do it all on individuals, then you have the ability to have a conversation. Like you have the ability to have one of them become like a big advocate for you too or write you back. And, you know, all that good stuff is just like, you know ways to stand out a little bit more. Yeah. Let's say you, you know, you do all this and then like a week goes by, two weeks go by. Like what what would you say is like the standard amount of time where you should potentially follow up again? Yeah. So the rule I follow is one, two, three, one week, then two weeks after that, then three weeks after that. You get max three follow-ups. <laughs> okay. You know, so um and then this this is a rule only if they haven't told you ahead of time what to expect. So if the recruiter says, expect to hear from us in a month, don't email them in a week. She already told you what to expect. But if they don't say anything and you don't ask, which by the way, you should always ask like, you know, what, what's your timeline? What are the next steps? But let's pretend that you don't know anything. So a week later, after you've sent your thank you note, you can follow up just with the recruiter and say, you know, hi, I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to circle back and, and let, you know, let you know I'm still really interested in the role. Uh, let me know about any next steps. Then if you hear back from them, awesome. If you don't, you can follow up to that exact email chain again, two weeks later. So now it's been a total of three weeks since your interview. Then you get to the clock starts over again. And now you can wait another three weeks before you finally can send your final one. And after three emails and six weeks after your interview, if you haven't heard anything, honestly, you have to start thinking, do you even want to work for a place like this? You know? <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that rule. It takes like the guesswork out of things. You know, I love having a, a standard template. Yeah. It's, a, it's, just so everyone knows, it's a rule I made up, but it was a cadence of that I wasn't annoyed with as a recruiter, you know? Like, yeah. and sometimes the other thing about recruiters is that, you know, that's not usually the only role that they're hiring for. So it's also really nice to have people follow up with you because you're like, oh yeah, I need to go follow up with that hiring manager. I haven't heard from them. I was expecting to, you know, stuff like that. Oh my gosh, totally. And uh, as we're talking, I'm like, I'm going to have to have you back on to talk about like, things to say or questions to ask in an interview because I feel like we could spend a whole other hour talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. Interviews are a whole other beast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, there's so much. I mean, honestly, there's so much to this. And and that's why it's so great that you have so many resources. Lauren, for anybody who wants to learn more, where, where can we send them? 
Yeah. So our website is careercontessa.com. I have a new book out that has a lot of the stuff I was talking about also as templates and worksheets. And it's called Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career Purpose. The website for that is powermovesbook.com. And then we are at Career Contessa on every social channel, except for TikTok that you can think of. <laughs> I am also like not into the TikTok thing. I'm, <laughs> I, just, I just like, can't. I don't, not one more, please. Please, but. honestly, <laughs> I can't do it. Well, this was Me so, either. so helpful. I'm going to include a lot of the specific things that we talked about. And then obviously for anybody who wants to learn more, check, check you guys out. Um, this has been awesome. Lauren, thank you so, so much for being on. Yeah, thank Thank you for having me. All right. That is a wrap on our episode this week, friends. I hope you found this one helpful. I think Lauren gave so many great tips and resources, and I've included a bunch of the stuff we talked about in show notes. So if you want to dive in a little bit deeper, I definitely encourage you guys to check that out. If you are in the Big Kid Problems super secret Facebook group, I've been sharing some job opportunities and have linked to the Career Contessa job board in there for you guys to check out. I'll also be in the Facebook group this week to chat about this episode. So if you want to commiserate or share your stories or just talk about this episode in general, hop on Facebook and join the group. I'm also going to link that in show notes so you guys can find it easily. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So just know that I am truly honored that you choose to spend your hour with me. And I hope you guys got some real value from this one. So with that, I'm going to leave you with our weekly quote. I've been on a bit of a Lady Gaga kick lately. So this one is from her. She said, I've always been famous. It's just no one knew it yet. That is the kind of energy I am bringing into this week, guys. So enjoy your week and I will see you next Tuesday.